Hello. Good morning. Hi, good afternoon, Dan. How are you? I'm doing well. How's everything? <clears throat> everything is fine. Good. Oh, oh, I went out last night. I saw, I saw a tweet. You were talking about how much fun you had with the, with millennials. Uh, all of the millenniums. Yeah, they were great. <laughs> I uh, had a wonderful time. I drank all of the drinks. Yes. And I uh, met so many nice people and I got my, I got my picture taken a bunch of times. It was really nice. It was really, really nice. I got to, uh, it's, it's, it's nice to get to meet people that you like and admire and to meet new people you didn't know you liked and admired. And I, I genuinely love it. It was really super fun. I don't do that or get to do that or want to do that that much. But when I do, it's always a joy. You know, I think it's fun <sighs> because you get to put, you know, faces to the names or the Twitter handles and the people who have, you kind of had this 140 character at a time relationship with, and then you mm -hmm. meet them in person. You're like, wow, we, we can have a real conversation now. <laughs> It's kind of nice. But it's like going to the Hall of Presidents, except Abe Lincoln, you know, has listened to your podcast. So like, I, I met everybody last night. I got to see, uh, I finally met James Thompson from the, from the, uh, from the calculator and the internet. Uh, and his friend from down the street, Fraser Spears was there. I finally right. met F Federico Vitici last night. Came to America. Uh, I came to America, saw, uh, Matt Alexander, so many, all the great, all the great people. It mm -hmm. was, um, it was, uh. Really, really nice. And so uh, I uh, hung out. And now I'm, I'm a little rough, but, uh, you know. You're hanging in there. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> I'm drinking yeah, a lot of water. Let's see. Water, you're hydrating. Let's see how the show goes. This Big Shots Over Relay had an open bar, so I treated myself to some uh, martini drinks. Oh, nice. I kind of wish they'd serve martinis in a tumbler. Given the nature of what a martini does to a man, uh, that is a very bad form factor for a glass. It's kind of made to slosh all over people's shoes. Now, when you I'm say, "Sorry about that," at least hit you with my olive. When you say when you say martini, do you mean the traditional <laughs> martini like gin, or are you one of those people who drinks a vodka martini and still calls it a martini? Um, you're trying to get me into a fight here. Um, you used to argue about this with John Gruber. Is that right? Yeah, because I'm... I, yeah, he calls a vodka martini a martini. Right, right, but it isn't. It isn't. It's a vodka martini, which is fine. I guess. I mean, not that it matters, but I enjoy a gin martini. Me too. And uh, I get a... Uh, usually a... Uh, I'm not too fancy. I get a Bombay, a dry Bombay sapphire yeah. uh, martini. That's my old with, drink with, there. With as many olives as you have. Give me all of the olives. You know what? As far as I'm concerned, it could be closer to a salad. Just give me 60 olives and gin in a terrine with an ibuprofen back. Yeah. Mm. I, can, I can feel my liver this morning. It's right here. Really? Yeah. yeah. Listen. Oh, yeah. It's good and solid. Solid. Yeah. It sounds like a... <laughs> oh, I'm so sad. Why are you doing this to me? Uh, but it's once in a while. You know, Italian, it's, you're not Italian. doing it every night. Am I? You're not. Uh, no. No. Um, not like this, buddy. Woo. Uh, anyway, it was fun. It was a really fun night. I spent a lot of money on the Ubers, but I got to, you know, it's nice. Like I met, uh, it's always neat and weird and awesome to meet people from Apple. I was in the men's room and uh, a guy said, hi, I want to take a photo. So of course I took a photo and uh, you know, he's like a guy at Apple that people know. He, you know, he's like the jailbreak guy and I, I met him in a bathroom. Nice. And it's like, I don't know. I just, I've, in my head, I think of 
the Apple people is robot is such a strong word. I, I, I don't imagine them being weird and funny. And they are. They're weird and funny. And they all care so much about what they do that I feel like uh, kind of a dick the way we talk about them sometimes. But, you know, it has to be done. We are well, leading podcast professionals and it is our job to hold their feet to the fire for what they're giving us. You know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah. When, when I, I know I speak for both of us uh, implicitly. You always speak for both of us. When Dan. I say you know, this. You have part, carte blanche to yes. uh, speak for me. But we, <clears throat> we love the stuff that Apple uses, generally speaking, and we want it to be a lot better. And when we talk about it, we're talking about Apple as a company and not about the individual people who, for the most part, are, are just like us and that they show up and they work really hard and they want to make Except something Except they're great. talented. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Except they actually mm-hmm. <laughs> make things. Yeah. They like go to like a job and work really hard and then make things that millions of people love. That's right. <laughs> Instead of uh, eating ibuprofen with a martini downtown. <laughs> but I know you were on the floor yesterday and uh, mm-hmm. we've got segments of your uh, of your uh, live recordings. I saw, that you I saw did almost, almost, 20, uh, almost 20 minutes of the keynote. Hopefully it was the Oh good no, I, I started, I had to record a program <laughs> yesterday morning. Oh yeah. Uh, and that takes precedent yeah. over because uh, of my work. So I you saw. Didn't, you didn't really miss anything. No, 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 wait, no, wait, don't be that guy. Mm. I, I just, I didn't watch it, but I, I've listened to two or three, two podcasts, technically a third one, but I wasn't really listening. I was, I was carousing while they were recording, but you know, I listened to most of ATP. I listened to, uh, upgrade. So I feel like, and I've read a fair amount about it. I'd be happy to talk about, I, you know, here's the, my problem is I don't, this particular release, I'm just head nodding. There's not that I don't have that much to say. I have absolutely nothing to say about it. Well, I, but the thing is, I want to have something smart to say about it, except uh, it sounds snarky and I don't mean it that way. It's There's a lot of stuff where you're like, ah, oh, see, that's great. That's great. You did the right thing. Like nobody, I've only ever used the side button, the non-crown button on my watch to use Apple Pay and to unintentionally bring up a ring of people that I've never interacted with. I've never, I've never sent my heartbeat. I've never sent like an emoji thing. I don't do any of that stuff with my watch. So, you know, repurposing that for like the dock, they're calling it. It's fantastic. Yeah, it looks fine. I don't know, man. I, I feel like they pulled their bacon from the fire with the watch. If this, and according to people who have loaded up the, um, who was it? Was it Tapbot Paul? Somebody was saying, no, believe it or not, it actually is as fast as that demo to launch an app, which is, an ama- amazing difference. You know, the thing that, I mean, we've gone over this so many times and I suspect it's one reason that you weren't so into the watch. I, I think I speak for both of us is that, um, the, the ways that you interact with the watch, uh, the things that make the watch convenient require you to be able to interact with it in certain ways, very dependably as kind of a no look device. Yeah. Right. So being yelling, Hey dingus at your watch, some people have, as, as I've said, some, you know, some of my friends seem to have zero problem with that. I have almost zero success with that. And it often it triggers kind of randomly, if it triggers at all, hitting buttons, even if you're like, if your phone's in your pocket and it's like right there, which I, you know, I understand that latency, you know, is a thing. Like if I go outside to take out the trash and I tick it off my OmniFocus outside of the wireless network, obviously it's going to be slow and confused. But the, you know, it, it, the fact that the apps do launch so slowly. It, you on, it honestly feels like they're hung or, you know, they're, they're hanging as they used to say. And, you know, to have that all work faster is good. It, I think they're still kind of figuring out how people 
should, and even like even before they, how they want to use this thing, like how they should use this thing, right? It kind of wants to be a pure Siri device if you think about it. No, it really does. And it's not good at that because there's so much serious stuff in this. And I don't mean, I'm not, honestly, I'm not trying to bitch, but if you think about the Dick Tracy aspect of this, yes, I was just, you imagine, <laughs> just yeah, saying like the, that. Yeah. Like when you think of your, your watch as a Dick Tracy device, you think of it as, okay, I really should be able to do natural language speaking where I don't even have to look at it. Like, would you ever assume that the watch heard you? Like I, I, I hit the digital crown, wait for it to go digga digga and start talking. And even then it doesn't get it a lot of the time let alone being able to just sit here at my desk and talk to it. Yeah. Um, it's not a no-look device. And so the kinds of things that they're doing, you know, now the pendulum's swinging back and now it's now, oh, it's a super interactive device now. We want you to use more apps. We want you to write on this thing with your finger, which sounds a little bit difficult, but we'll see. But I thought that was all really encouraging. They're, do, they're going in the right direction. They're coming out with... You sound, you sound skeptical. Well... Not, not that it matters, but what, I want to tease that out. What is it when you, you sound like that's, you're saying like, that's fine, that's fine. What is it that you heard that you're this kind of, you know, sound very excited about it. Well, I'm, and I'm, you know, what I realize is I'm very happy not being excited about it. And what I, the thing that I'm struggling with is for, for a very long time, and it wasn't that long, but long in, in terms of computer, the computer world. I feel like WWDC had taken on a really, really great deal of importance, not just for developers, and it's always been important for developers. I'm, I was trying to remember the first, the first WWDC I went to, I I think it was in mid two thousand, you know, two thousand five, two thousand six time period. I'm I'm not totally sure, uh, but I remember I, I went to a few of them. I was there for the one where they announced the switch to Intel. Uh, and I was there for when they announced podcasts were coming to iTunes. So I was there for some fun ones back mm -hmm. before iPhone time period. And I feel like at that point, it, it was a, it was a place where people who were developing for Apple stuff, you know, which really back then was the Mac, right? Like then <laughs> that was it. Uh, Mac developers would get together and they would get insight from Apple help from Apple. They would be able to see and meet with and talk to other people who were doing great work in the Apple community. And that's what WWDC was. And then, especially after the iPhone came out, the focus, I think, shifted to a great degree, especially when Apple pulled out of the Macworld Expo. Yeah, exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. And it, it became not just a developer's conference for people who are making software for the Mac, it became a developer conference for people who are making Mac stuff, but especially iPhone and iOS stuff. And it definitely took the place for the Macworld Expo announcements, which were big at the time. And we were very much in that space of... What's Apple going to do next? And I think this was the, the heyday for a lot of 5x5 podcasts, too, where, you know, we had multiple, multiple shows with, uh, with people who were all, we were all talking about what's Apple doing? What's Apple going to do next? How is this going to affect computing industry, mobile industry, tablets? All of these new things were, were pouring out of Apple. And WWDC quickly became, instead of being a place for people who were building software for Apple stuff, it became that 
plus a big social thing, plus this huge thing that all these people in media were going to. And that led to people, developers, who had been going for years and years to build stuff for Apple, couldn't get in anymore because the tickets were going to people in the media. They were going to writers. They were going to journalists. They were going to all, all kinds of people, including podcasters who maybe we weren't doing any Apple development, but we were still taking those seats because we wanted to see the keynote. We wanted to be part of it. And I think that the last couple of years, especially, but this year, absolutely. It, I, I feel like just looking at what came out, uh, what was announced and what was shown and what was demoed and what's going on there this week. I think this squarely shows people that w this is once again, a developers conference for people who are building stuff for Apple's multiple platforms and that, that what goes on there is really for them and appeals to them. Don't go there expecting a new MacBook Pro, right? Because you're not going to get it. Maybe they'll never be, I, I don't want to say never, but don't go there expecting hardware announcements. It's not that. Don't go there expecting some kind of big bomb that Apple's going to drop that's going to change the world. You're going to see the preview of their four new operating systems. You're going to see what's there, and then you're going to be able to ask questions about it and update your products that you're making and talk to other developers and hang out with them. But I feel like the shift of, of it being some kind of like a mecca for people who love Apple, it, I don't think it, it is that in the same way that it was as much as it is a wonderful place for people who are really building stuff, developers, to go, and it can be their mecca once again, the way that it used to be. Apple mm -hmm. has enough attention on it and enough power and clout and presence to be able to say, you know what? We're doing a little media event, uh, you know, in, uh, in, in, in August. Why don't you guys come out for that? And that's where they'll announce their MacBook Pro or whatever it is. They don't have to squeeze all of this into a WWDC. They, they're they big enough and people are paying enough attention that Apple can say, you know what, we've got some new product announcements. We're, we're going to be doing it here. So the, And the media will come. And it right, wasn't that right. way. People forget it. didn't used to be that way. Apple, could, Apple had to go to Macworld Expo and announce stuff there on, on a different schedule that wasn't their own. Uh, and they don't have to do that anymore. And so for me, like, if you're... If you're not an Apple developer, if you're not building stuff, then uh, then then there's not that much for you at these things, un you know, unless you're interested in wanting to be a part of that community. And I think people are finally getting that. But, you know, there were these other things that were happening yesterday as well. There was the E3 stuff that was happening. And there was also uh, Microsoft announced uh, this LinkedIn thing. And I was seeing a lot of journalists who were who were making I saw this across the board. I saw this many times saying, wow, hard to believe that, you know, Apple was number three on my list of cool stuff coming out that, you know, the Microsoft announcement and the E3 stuff was more interesting, but that's the way it should be. This is a developers conference for developers. And, uh, and, and so I like that because for a long time I was an Apple developer. I was doing stuff in that space. And, and I like that that's what the focus is, and that's really who, who it is for. So as far as the, the stuff that they showed and the stuff that's rolling out, I feel like the stuff that I saw on, uh, for, the, for the Mac, I thought it was great. I thought it was really right up my alley. The stuff that they're doing for the watch and for iOS is just, it, and, you know, like I think, I guess that's fun for some people. It's not for me. It's not, it's not like stuff that's come out for me, but I'm okay with that. And I know that there are people who use their iOS devices in very different ways than I use them and, uh, and have different goals. You know, the stuff that they're rolling out 
as platforms, as mini platforms, I think are, are really neat. I think what they're doing, opening up Apple Pay, opening up Siri, opening up messages as a platform where you're you're handing intelligent little objects around. I think all that's very interesting. But all the sort of the stuff that's sort of flash and cool and fun and like, oh, we're making it so you can slam a message and it just takes over the screen and it shows fireworks. Like my son's going to go berserk for that, but I don't. I won't be using any of that. So, you know, for me on a personal level, I think it's more interesting to look at what Apple's doing as far as opening their platform. Cause I think that's big. Uh, but as far as like individual features that they're coming out with, I didn't see anything that, that I thought, wow, like this is, they're really pushing the envelope, but um, it, the stuff they're doing is very good for Apple and, and for well, Apple what, what, what would make you feel like they're pushing the envelope? Seeing something uh, that, that is a, a really new technology uh, pushing the boundaries of a technology. And we've talked about it before, but I, I think a big push uh, that, that companies are really focusing on is exactly what you were just talking about, getting those <laughs> Dick Tracy moments, right? Where where I, I want to be able to, what, what would get me to put that Apple Watch back on or to buy another one because I gave it to my mom would be to get what exactly what you're talking about. I, I don't want to interact with my watch. I'm old fashioned. I don't know, but I don't really want to do that much with my watch. What I mm. want is for my watch to be a gateway to all of these other things that does exactly what you just described in the exact way you described it. And that is, I want to just say, I want my watch to just be on my wrist and it's listening and I can say to it, schedule this appointment, do this thing and have it get it every time. Just like that. That's mm -hmm. the magic. The magic is hear what I said and do something meaningful with it. And you know what? If I have an appointment, tap my wrist a couple times. You know, if there's something important that I need to do that I'm not doing, tap. Tell me when to turn right or left if I'm driving my car. So I don't. But the whole point is I only want to look at that watch when there's something important that needs my attention. Like that's and, and I feel like Siri or or. Amazon or whoever uh, comes out with that technology that really gets it, that allows me to not have to look down at something and I can just tell it what to do. And not even the complicated stuff that we were talking about in the last couple episodes, even just schedule an appointment on this date at this time to do something and have it just get it. That would get me to put the watch back on. So anything mm -hmm. short of that, I feel like it's, and I'm not saying I demand magic every wwdc from apple I, I sure don't but and, and it's like you said like i was not in my head as i was watching and i went to the the thoughtbot uh guys who they do uh primarily i think rails development um they had a uh like a little watching party so we went down there for that and they they had some food and some drinks and we got to sit there and talk and, and watch and i think most of the people in the room were developers and we you know we talked about it during and, and after and like the things that are rolling out are, are good. They're all good. I like I like the platform. You know, stuff. like the the hmm. All right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. What? Well, something that I, I think Steve Jobs said this overtly, actually in kind of a jerky way. Um, I think the exact quote was something like, you know, something. I think it was Steve said this. Something along the lines of, look, you know, we don't really we don't need. MacWorld Expo anymore because we have MacWorld Expo every day in hundreds. <laughs> of Apple stores around right, the world right, that right. are going great guns and revolutionizing the way that people buy technology, consumer technology uh, in retail, which is, you know, true. And you get that. And to your point also, um, you know, why would they put that kind of money 
and resources and time. I mean, so many people, when you would go to the Macworld booth, I mean, you know, Scott Simpson was working there. Like everybody at Apple was like so many people at Apple had a role in that and were not working on something else while they were working on that trade show. Right. To me, that all, that all makes sense. Um, and so, you know, I, I think the way that they handled that was not particularly professional or collegial. I think they kind of threw Paul yeah. and Macworld under the bus and that's kind of a bummer. I wish I had gotten to go to that conference because it seems like a great time. Which one? Macworld Expo. Uh, oh, oh yeah. Oh no, there, there were lots of fun. Well, especially, I mean, I want to get back, come back to this point in a second, but especially, um, uh, it's hard for me to separate the reality of this from my own personal experience of this. But for me, it was very exciting because you, you could get an exhibits only pass for like free or like 15 bucks. Mm. So you could just go uh, on the show floor and in the, let's say up to the iPod taking over the world stage. It was fantastic. There were still so many kinds of peripherals. You could see so many, you could buy, you know, hard drives and all kinds of crazy stuff that work with the Mac. The Mac used to be like a weird, uh, like uh, mad scientist lab where there was all kinds of things you could hook up to your Mac or do with your Mac. There were yeah. so many different third party uh, app developers where you would buy shrink wrap software that did some vertical market thing for you. I mean, there was, it was a huge, huge market during the um, OS uh, nine days and then to, to a certain extent, you know, into the OS 10 period. But of course, then for any variety of reasons, the number of those vendors felt like it got smaller and smaller. Right. And, and then, as I used to say back when we covered for Mac break, uh, I would always say like, you know, this has gone from Mac world to costly plastic things into which you put your iPod world. Because <laughs> right. it was all like Timbuktu bags. And <laughs> right. uh, they're like, you know, the SF bags. Like it was just bags. And it was all like holders for Apple products. Nothing wrong with that. But then that certainly didn't change too much. So then what, what's the revolution? The revolution is 2007, 2008. Now we have the iPhone. Now, what are people going to be there to sell? Well, you're going to have that, still have that giant FileMaker Pro booth, which always seemed like some kind of a money laundering scheme to me. I never understood that that many people still use FileMaker Pro, but there was that. But then you would have this little alley where developers, I remember like... Uh, when, um, what was it? Bobby Anderson it was back when he was probably working on square, but I remember they had this thing where you could get, it was beyond tiny town. You got basically like a bar table with two seats that you could get for a few hundred bucks. And I guess you could like give away codes for your app, but what do you really have to show as a developer at a place like that? I, I I'm, so what I'm trying to say is I, I, t I absolutely take your point there. The, so much of the activity in what people learn about and buy has moved to different places particularly the web, where you can go, if you want to find stuff, you can find stuff. There's a handful of very, very prominent Apple sites where you can learn lots and lots of stuff about stuff. And I think for, honestly, for most civilians who have joined the Apple world after 2007, I suspect that most of what they're doing is happening on the app store for better or for worse. Yeah. Yep. Everybody goes, it's like the, when you first buy a, buy a bike or become a boy scout and you buy all the magazines and books. That's what, I think that's what Macworld stock and trade was that for years, that was something that people would buy for the first year they had a Mac. That's $7 an issue or whatever. Right. That all shrunk up. Now being, and so what I'm trying to get to with this one point, is something I've said many times, other people have said, it's no longer as important to self-identify as an Apple fan. It used to be important because there was something like strength in numbers to say, hey, look, I want to speak up for the fact that this is a Windows dominated world. I'm one of the weirdos who has, uses, and loves a Mac. And I want you to know that. It's important to me to go to this, to go meet my people at, at these events. You know, back you know, people go to people still go to Mac user groups. Sure, yeah. It's like the computer everybody I know has. 
anybody who has the choice in what computer they get tend to get a Mac. I mean, I know that's not entirely true, but brother, is it ever different from 20 years ago? So with all that said, that all of those things come together to make Macworld kind of a crazy and untenable thing. So yes, what Apple gains by having things like the App Store, by having things like the Apple retail stores, there's a lot there. The thing that they still, there's two kinds of events at least that they still need for a variety of reasons. The second kind of event that they still need is their fall event where they're going to announce a lot of the hardware that they want people to buy for Christmas. Yeah. That's might sound like a cynical way to put it, but that's a big hardware announcement. It's the cycle of when the new iPhones are going to be announced. That's heavily watched by consumers and by the industry. But they still, you think about what they put out and talked about at WWDC yesterday. And I, for being as uneventful as some people thought it was, it was actually extremely interesting. Um, I, and, I, and I do take your point about how you want to use this. I, I agree that that was not for you. And I don't think it's supposed to be for you. Mm-hmm, a agree. lot of what was announced yesterday is about the industry, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, go to the app store and look at how many of the best-selling apps that aren't games are about, generally speaking, one kind of thing, which we will generally call messaging. Mm. If excluding all of the screaming white man with a mustache icons uh, <laughs> for, for 11-year-old boy games that are right. so popular, right. Akuna Matata, uh, it's so many apps that are about some aspect of messaging communication. Could be about, you know, Steph Curry emojis. I'm, I don't have it in front of me right now, but <clears throat> I mean, all the Snapchats and all of the Facebooks. And now, you know, according to Roderick, Facebook is like trying harder and harder to drive you into their messenger app and off of the, like, whatever the standard That's app right. is. That's right. They're taking messaging out of the standard app and you... You can only use it in messaging app, I believe. But as we, as we sit here today, you and I and uh, our pals, we have things that we use our quote-unquote iPhone for. But Dimes and Donuts, most people who are under 40, I think are heavily, heavily using their app to communicate via some kind of messaging Correct. with each other. Very could be cool. Slack, it could be Snapchat, could be any of those other things I don't understand. So I think when they do something like announce that messaging stuff, that was very surprising to me because on the face of it, mm, I mean... It's not for me. I don't think it's supposed to be for me. Part of that is a dog whistle for the industry saying, hey, look, um, you know, <laughs> don't forget you forgot about Dre. Like we're, we're still we're still in this. And even though there's not a Mac, uh, like a MacBook Pro today uh, or a new MacBook, whatever they call it these right, days. Right. I get so confused by the names. I think that's another important aspect. It's obvious, but it should be said. This is for developers. And gosh, there was a lot of stuff for developers in this. Mm-hmm. There's so much. I, I just barely started wading through stuff people were linking to um, about the various APIs and the new this kit and that kit. People are, my friends on Twitter right now and that I met last night are very excited about some of those things. Because so the, the, there's the one dog whistle that's about, uh, I was saying that the second thing that that fulfills are those business things. The other thing is to, I think reinvigorate interest in the developer community. And I feel like you got to give Apple some credit for finally rip them winkling out of this torpor that they've been in for the last few years with developers or speeding up time. They announced that, I guess, last week, speeding up time to uh, turning around approvals. They're looking if you're, you know, if you can subscribe to something for a year, you get an 8515 cut kind of stuff people have been asking for for years. But I think, you know, even if it's not, something that's going to be on the watch by Halloween that we get to enjoy. I think you still, as somebody even a little bit interested in the industry, have to look at what kind of new bones are they putting in place that they can build on. And I, I think that's very encouraging. If, if you care about the platform, you have to sit through some of this nerd stuff because that's ultimately what people are going to be able to do something with. 
So like, and, and this is again, Merlin 2016 uh, version 2.0 here is like, there's a part that goes, I quit thinking about what you need Apple to have been in the past and start looking at what Apple need, wants to be as a company in the future, which I think if you take it from that point of view, it makes it pretty interesting. It's one thing to go like, oh, the watch, who cares about the watch? But there's a lot of stuff in place to start bringing together their ecosystem in a way that we've all been craving. And some of these incremental changes and things like the watch, things like the TV, um, I think I think that's really encouraging. I do too. I, that, and that's that's the whole the whole point I think of this conference in particular is exactly what you just said and what what I was alluding to before, which is developers are excited about this stuff and they're saying, "Wow, Apple has built Apple Pay, and how cool is that? Now we can do that. We can do that. Siri, opening up Siri, all of these little pieces of this bigger platform." that they're building to make it both a very compelling place to want to build applications as well as the place to go to get the good apps. Those two things go hand in hand. If it's a great place to build an app, you're going to want to go to iOS. You're going to want to go to Apple's infrastructure to build stuff. And then users are going to say, well, all the good stuff is over here, you know, because it's getting harder and harder and harder, I think for Apple to compete with any all of the other players in making the hardware because it, we're at the point now where a lot of phones are really, really good. They have good screens. They have You good, can get a Samsung phone for not that much money. Yeah. That's a, a, a damn sight better than the kind of phone, the Android phone that you would get, you know, even five years ago. For sure. Right? And a lot of them have things that we are really looking forward to Apple to release, whether it's waterproofing or, or other things and different kinds of charging, whatever. Apple will come out with them. They will, they will find a nice way to do them. But how does Apple compete then? Well, they compete based on making better software, making a better ecosystem, making a better infrastructure that is in, more inviting and more inclusive to developers. They make it they, they make developing for their stuff joyful or as joyful as it could be. Mm -hmm. And they respond to the things that developers are saying by, oh, you know what? We hear you. Here's, here's a solution to that. We had a big problem. It used to take forever to get your app reviewed. Now it takes like a day. Isn't that awesome? Yes, that's awesome. That's another reason you should develop for you know, for, it was even worse than that, though, because it was like forever minus one days. <laughs> it was like it was even, you know, it's that kind of yeah. thing that's like if you tell me this is going to take a month, well, I can do my PR and media buys around that. But if it could be, what if it ends up, what if I try to guess how long it's going to take and get it wrong and right. it's out early? You know, there's all kinds of stuff like that. And then we find some weird bug at the last minute and we yeah. got to like flip it around. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't mean to sound like I'm scolding or something. I, I think, you know, Apple is a very proud justifiably proud and very dignified company in a lot of ways. And they're, they're kind of like serious dad in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Serious dad rarely apologizes. So, but serious dad will sometimes in, in, in his way, um, you know, give you a little wink. So for example, a Apple didn't spend 15 minutes going, what were we thinking with that side button on the watch? How did people, they were talking about this on ATP. How did people in Cupertino test that thing for months and then say, oh yeah, this is good to go. People are definitely going to want to be sending, <laughs> sending their boner to people on a watch. Okay. Uh, no, I don't know anybody who loves using that. I don't, I personally don't use it at all. People who do use it, I'm sorry, you've lost it. They didn't do a big announcement to go, oh, mea culpa. Sorry about that weird watch thing. Instead, they just kind of like slipped it in that, oh, by the way, now this feature that everybody has wanted, even if they didn't know they wanted it, that's what this button does. 
<laughs> they didn't even say that's what this button does now. Right. <laughs> they they just they kind of trot, trotskied the whole thing out of the picture <laughs> and, and were like, oh, so that's what this button does. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing to see here. But everybody knows is like, uh, did, 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 I, did I just hear you fix like two things with that? Like, yeah, they're listening. And, you know, the, 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 there's one of those kind of hide in plain sight things about Apple. You know, when you think about that, that term platform, well, you know, when they say platform, they often mean, you know, they're OSs for various things. I, when I use the word platform in my head, I use it to mean something much bigger than any heap of functionality. To me, platform is closer to ecosystem in a lot of ways. Apple's a smart company and they understand that a lot of the value, there's value that they give people in terms of high quality hardware. There's value in terms of like, you know, we probably care about your privacy and security more than you do. And that's a thing that we're working on. That's sort of a, a brand thing for them. But what Apple has been about I guess kind of forever, but really in the post iPod era is their platform and ecosystem, the Uber platform, right. the platform of platforms. So what's, what's cool is when Apple is able to do something that integrates all the pieces of the ecosystem in a way that's sensible and sane and efficient. Um, but they still find a way to add a certain amount of openness uh, in a way that improves the platform uh, and hopefully doesn't cannibalize their other products or, you know, make it too easy for competitors to do what they want. They're, they're a company. They sell stock and stuff. They need to be able to make things that are unique and not repeatable. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I mean, it's, it feels like a good day as an Apple fan when they come up with ways to make this stuff do more stuff and to do the, have the parts of the different stuff do stuff with other stuff. That always feels like a win to me. And so that's encouraging. That's encouraging to me. I don't think we're quite at the Dick Tracy phase yet with mm -hmm. the watch, mm -hmm. but we're, we're closer than we were two days ago. Yeah, I think that's a great way to say it too. I mean, we are closer and every, everything is a step. Every, every year we see a big step closer. And I just, I, like I kind of want to say to all of the people in the media who are, attending WWDC with the hope of seeing this amazing one more thing. Look, it's a whole new whatever. And here's the, you, you heard we were making a car. Like here's 10 of them driving, driving out onto the stage. Like that kind of thing is not going to happen there. Uh, maybe ever again. And I, 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 I want the media and the other people who are building this event up to be some kind of, we're going to have like watching parties and there's like no developers in the room. It's just like consume. Of course, consumers are going to look at that and, and, and complain about it. Or, you know, media who is expecting them, you know, them to drive Tim Cook to drive out in an Apple car. Like, and there are, there are people who were disappointed about the keynote yesterday because they should, it didn't they have should these let, things. They should let lowly worm, um, drive <laughs> little, the Apple little lowly worm, right? Wouldn't that be cute with his little, his little Homburg hat and his one tennis I shoe? I actually, I don't know if I should say this. I sewed my own lowly worm from a pattern when I was about oh. eight or nine years old. My that mom used so, to sew so. stuff all the time <clears throat> and, uh, little, make little things and, you know, and, and so she got me a pattern. Uh, from one of the books, I guess it came from, uh, and and we got like a, I guess it was you felt. Mean like a little plush, a little plush. Oh, that's so cute! I know what you're talking about. Where you cut out the outline, worm. you stitch it together, and you have like a homemade stuffed animal. I used a sewing machine for the first time. That and is maybe so the cute. only time. <laughs> I think to really make it work, I think you have lowly worm come out smiling. I'm not sure how you drive an apple car with no arms. So let's let's set that aside for a minute. You have lowly <laughs> worm come out, and then I think just just to prank Google a little bit, you have Mr. Frumble come out and like wreck a Google car. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mr. Frumble's in trouble again. Mr. Frumble. Who lets a pig drive? Am I right? 
Well, they're not known for their driving skills. That was a little bit ping pong. Uh, Dan, would you tell me about something that you like? I can tell you about a new sponsor. Uh huh. The Eero. Eero. And this is this is spelled in a unique way. E E R O. Like a super hero. Like a super, a, 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 no capes. <laughs> no capes. The, uh, if you think about it, when we, we started to get Wi-Fi into our homes, into our offices, you always started out with this model of like you had a base station. You had like a, a thing. That was, <laughs> you got that one Linksys that everybody used to get. <laughs> yes. And they would get it and it would plug in to your cable modem, your router, whatever it was that you had. And... Uh, this this was supposed to solve the fact that no one had these, you know, you didn't want to have wires running through your house. So then Wi-Fi became uh, ubiquitous. Everyone had it, but we still were stuck with this kind of old-fashioned concept of how it should work, which is... Oh, and, and when you did set it up, I mean, I love my Linksys because I have one of those Linksys that you could hack. Yeah. With with a different... The um, WRTG firmware. thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that blue and black one. Yeah. But I mean, but the thing was, just getting it set up required a manual. You had to go to that page. If you wanted to have WPA, you know, you had to go do this. And right. there's always the risk of kind of locking yourself out or, you know, <laughs> crashing your, your Linksys. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I mean, you know, for the, for people who are, were not giant technology nerds, like you needed a Sherpa, you need somebody to come out to your house. And even <laughs> then, if you live in a house that's older than a couple years old, there's a good chance that the Wi-Fi you have in your family room is not going to make it to the bedroom. That's right. And that's a big problem still for a lot of people. Uh, I remember my, not the house I'm in now, but the previous house was like an older house at a concrete block. And like there were huge dead spots in the house that just didn't work. Well, Eero has come into this and they said these two problems that we've just been talking about, they can solve both of them. And if you think about it, it's like, think of Wi-Fi as like light waves in a way. I know it doesn't exactly work that way, but like you don't put a light bulb in your living room and hope that it's going to light your master bedroom, right? You need a distributed system. Uh, this is what offices have had for years, but it's very expensive. Well, with Eero, you get an enterprise-grade Wi-Fi system in your home in just a couple minutes. You get a number. They send you a number of these things. The, the one that I got to try out here had three in it. That's what I got. And the setup for it is pretty genius. Oh, so good. I mean, that's the, the best in some ways. <clears throat> it's ironic that like, think about how we felt when the Apple TV, I don't know if you, I think you felt this way. Yeah. When AT, ATV4 came out and it was so frustrating to set up on the first day. And then a few, few weeks later, they fixed a bunch of stuff and people were like, what were you guys complaining about? <laughs> right. This was so easy. Yeah. But like your experience of that first day, if you're somebody who's not a nerd, you get this thing, you get these, can I, can I jump in here? Yeah. They should be these, these three identical looking white dinguses. And there's one with a very handy, friendly little label that says, use me first, start, start with me. <laughs> and you get, an, you get an iPhone out, you plug this dingus in and you access it with your phone and you basically say, hello, this is the system now. Do you want to have a, you know, make a password for this? Yep. And then long story short, you, that sets it up, hooks it up with your internet, with your router. It does speed tests. It does, there's a variety of ways to set this up, by the way. We should talk about this if we ever have them on again. Yeah ways you can hack this system because you can integrate it with Apple stuff in your house too, FYI. Um, but then you just go and say, okay, we got one of these. Do you want to do another one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got two more of these. Let's do that. You go put that one where you want it to be. You plug it in and it like automatically sets up the second one. Ditto the third one. And now you have a Wi-Fi mesh network through your entire house that like magically gets around a lot of the uh, dead spots that you might've had when you were just doing like an airport express uh, to extend your network. 
And it's, and honestly, the entire thing, if you do a stock setup, the first time I set it, I've set it up three different times, trying some different things. First time I set it up, like stem to stern, it was 15 minutes from plugging the first one into being done. Mm -hmm. How about you? How'd you do? Uh, I started out and just went through the, because the way that I have it set up, I'm at work. Like I have my router that I have here doing like DHCP address assignment and stuff like that. But at home, I'm leaving all that to the cable modem. And I just wanted to create the Wi-Fi network. So it was like, it was super, super easy to do it. You just like, it sounds dumb to say you just plug it in and it works, but it, it's really can be that simple. No, that's the value proposition yeah. is there's nothing to figure out about this. There's a couple decisions that you, you can choose to make, but just getting it set up. And I mean, I'm trying to avoid that really obvious cliche about like, you know, your, like, like your older relatives, but like, if you're, if you've got like a vacation home and you know, or, you know, like an Airbnb type thing, you know, somebody's going to want Wi-Fi, and you're like, Ugh, I don't want to deal with that. Right. You just go plug this stuff in and like, you're back in the car in half an hour. You have, you now have a network throughout that house that will work better than most people's Wi-Fi and it'll do stuff like speed tests. And if you do want to nerd out for what it's worth, once you set it up, there is, I forget what it's called, but there's like an advanced settings section where you yeah. can go and change it to bridge mode. Um, you can, you can basically, I haven't quite mastered this yet, but you can set it up to work in conjunction with your time capsule or your, or your yeah. airport. So if you want the functionality that you get you don't want to give up the functionality of your time capsule. There's a way to do that. You can choose which thing serves the DHCP addresses and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, you can do, you can configure all of that. And I configured the whole thing on my iPhone SE that I didn't, I didn't use any other app. I didn't do anything else. You just, you, I'm looking at the app right now. You just download it and it, 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 it connects to it. It's incredibly simple. The user interface is straightforward. One of the little, but you can tell that the people behind this have fun with it. And, and I'll tell you why, um, we're reading, uh, I think we're on the fifth book, uh, <laughs> Harry Potter. Right, right, right. The, the night, room, is it the room of requirements? Yes. The <laughs> night before we had just read the chapter where they find the room of requirement and they start using it. And so you get to name each of these different little base stations so that you kind of like, you say, okay, well, this one's in the family room. This one's going to be in the living room. This one's in the garage, wherever you're putting them. And it gives you these little pre-built uh, names. And one of them was room of requirement. And yeah. I was like, how, how cool is this? Like, that's one of those little things that like, if I hadn't have read that chapter the night before, I wouldn't have known what it was. I would have thought, oh, that that's funny, you know, and like this next. But they they put these little touches in there and they really do care. And like I got an email this morning that told me that my arrow was updated last night. The software update went through in the night. And it and this is another part of the value of this is that it's not like you get a notification on the app and then you have to go to the app and you have to connect to the thing and you have to install the update. It's doing this for you behind the scenes all the time, always adding little improvements, always uh, making it better. So I I like this thing and, uh, and, and, and this, this is what I'm using now. Yeah, and my, uh, my house is not... It's a smallish San Francisco flat, so it's not surpassingly hard to cover with Wi-Fi. But this is secondhand, so take it with a grain of salt. But the people I've talked to, uh, actually people on other podcasts who have gotten these now, uh, some of them have had shockingly good results. Uh, a mutual friend of ours is telling me that like over in like the corner of his son's room, which used to be like totally dead, he's now getting like his near, near his Fios speed, like in the furthest part of his house. Oh, like wow. it has magically worked around 
like old Massachusetts walls uh, in, a, <laughs> in a way that has been sort of like shockingly good. Well, if you would like to try this for yourself, you can and should do that. You can go to E-E-R-O is how it is spelled. I, I like the name. E-E-R-O, Eero.com slash back to work. And uh, you will get free overnight shipping on this thing. When you check out, select overnight shipping and then enter the code back to work, all one word, and it will make it free. These things are great. You can kind of determine what you want to get based on where you live and, and whether you're in a San Francisco house or whether you're in a, a sprawling Texas uh, mansion, you can find the Eero combo that you like. It's Eero.com slash back to work and use the code back to work for free overnight shipping. Thanks, Eero. Thank, thanks, Eero. Bok, bok. I This is an excellent new sponsor. I'm very happy to have them Me with too. us. Me too. They're awesome. <laughs> so anyway, you know. Yeah. Apple. Yeah. I know. Yeah. But I think uh, I think where we are right now is where we should be with Apple, and that is, you know, we we get these software uh, announcements and updates. We see how they're building their platform. Developers get excited about this and start building really cool new stuff that we as consumers get to use and and to enjoy. And like you said, you know, like this stuff in messages, that's that's not for me. I know it's not for me, and it's not like I'm rolling my eyes like Apple. When are you going to make something for me? I don't feel that way at all. I'm glad that they're doing this. I don't know if the features that they've added to messages are the features that uh, millennials and younger are hoping that they have would be adding. I don't know because like I've used Snapchat. I spent a week or so using it every day, and uh, because I wanted to give it a shot, and I came away from it saying, "Okay, you know what." I tried it. I tried it real hard and it's not for me. Um, but you know, and that's okay. And like, I don't, I, I use Facebook to see pictures of my friend's kids. That's, that's what I use, you know, in their family vacations, that's Facebook to me. So I, I know that I'm not a typical user and I'm certainly, you know, I'm not the next generation of uh, you know, of people who are going to be using this stuff and Apple. So I don't know enough about it to, I'm not like a Snapchat user looking at messages saying, this is what I wanted or that sucks. Nice try Apple. I don't know. Like, I don't know uh, if, if they hit the nail on the head or if they missed the boat or if they're too little too late or I don't know. Like, I really don't know. And I, I'm, you know, I, I want to know from our younger listeners, is that, you know, if you watched the part with messages in it and the emojis and the stickers and all of that stuff. I, 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 as a, I'm slow to come to the emoji revolution. Um, but I, I can just tell you just from the slacks that I'm on, my gosh, people love them. There are some people who have really taken to it and you know, things like making the big emoji. It sounds silly. That's one of those <laughs> things where like two years ago, where I heard that and gone out, have you lost your mind? Are you smoking your own product? Like, what are you, what are you thinking? Like spending any cycles on that, but it is something that people want. And I, I think, I think it's somewhat short-sighted to, uh, for either of us or any of us to say like, just because that's not for me means it's not legitimate because it's legitimate for somebody. You know what I mean? It's, this is again, a theme that keeps coming up because it's the theme I keep thinking about, which is that like, what take yourself out. I mean, I know it's difficult and pointless in some ways to attempt this or to choose to want to do this, but act like you don't matter. Well, act like one doesn't matter. Right. And then look at the decision 
and look at it differently. And instead of being me and going like, I've been using this next year, it'll be 30 years I've been using the apples and they should feel obligated to make a thing that I would want to buy and then be mad about. Right. No. Um, take yourself out of it uh, and look at it again. And it's a very different picture, you know? And like, this is, again, this is, this comes up twice a month, but like p- part of getting older is realizing that you're not only not that relevant right now, but you might have never been relevant and you just got by on your good looks and white skin. Well, let's, let's be honest. Like we're not relevant and we're not, we are, you know, I remember my uh, ad company on 43 folders. I used to get kind of miffed cause I'd be like, why, what are you doing with these Microsoft uh, ads and like whatever Lenovo ads on 43 folders? I was, that's so weird. Why don't you get Apple to buy some ads? And they're like, do you understand how advertising works? Advertising works by getting people to buy something they don't already have. You already, you already already advertise for Apple for free four times a day. Right. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you know what? That's actually really smart. And so they need to make stuff for new people. So I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I don't even think we need to do a poll, though. I can just look at anybody who's younger than me and how they use this stuff. And it's very different from how I would choose to use it, which doesn't make it good, bad, or indifferent. But it's, it's definitely different uh, from me. But, you know, then of course, though, I am on your, on your side or I'm sympathetic about the whole like, oh, come on, let's, can we get some really cool computers? <laughs> like, you yeah. know, you wanting a new laptop, poor John Syracuse had such a best of times, worst of times day. Cause first of all, they finally announced a new file system and then at the same time announced that it will not run on the Mac pro that, that he, he refuses had. to replace yeah. until they make the Mac pro that he wants. Yeah. So, you know. That's, that's, that's the thing. I mean, there's a, there's a part of you that like the, the one part of, you know, with the WDBC thing, you kind of go like, well, you know, this is the kind of machine that you and I would crave is it very much the kind of machine a lot of developers want. Yeah. So it would be kind of a home run to announce it there. I understand why they don't or didn't, but, um, I don't know. What were some of the other things? There's the renaming of things, which I think seems pretty sensible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't, I apologize. I, I was not trying to be that guy. I just, I had to record Roderick on the line for two hours, so I didn't get to watch most of it. But, uh, it sounds like they did a mostly cosmetic update on Apple music. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. No, sounds I mean, like you don't want to talk about yes, It sounds like you don't want to talk about No, this. I'm happy to talk about it. You I've, always want to talk about these things and I'm, I, you, maybe you could talk about it with Jim or, Jim or something. No, but, no, uh, I'm, a, I'm a happy to talk about it. I just, that, yes, they did. You breaking they, up with me? Is that what it is? No, they did a really nice update to Apple Music that... Really? It was a really nice a update? A really nice update that hmm. doesn't even get remotely close to making me want to use it again. Mm-hmm. Um, there are still so many things that are fundamentally wrong with Apple Music that I don't even know where to start, but it was a very nice update. Um, you know, as something people... I mean, I, I think Dan Morin is the first person I remember saying this. It seems so obvious, and it's something they're never going to do, I assume. But there are so many frustrations about the Apple Music app and service that could be solved with doing something that feels fairly simple and feels fairly obvious, but feels very un-Apple at this point. Break it into two apps. Yeah, it needs to be two. You know, have whatever they used to call it, iTunes, iPod, whatever they call it, or music, you know, just call, I don't I don't know what it's called, but differentiate the stuff and I have a theory on why they're not doing this. And it's Please tell me the theory because I, I can't figure it out. And I think well, it's screwed. I think it's so screwed up. Apple Music is so screwed up. It's screwed up as a platform. And to me, it just it, it's it, Apple should be. And again, let me just say this again because I, I want people to get the right idea. I I like Apple a whole lot as a company. I've been using 
Apple computers since 1982. That was the first computer that I ever used. And it, I, 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 I like Macs. I like Apple stuff. I've got an iPhone that I really like. I've got an iPad that I like. I'm in front of one of the newer MacBook, Mac Pros right now. I've got a MacBook Pro as my laptop. I've got a bunch of Apple TVs. I've got an Apple Watch I gave to my mom. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on this. Right. And I right. want the best stuff to come out. I don't want to use Spotify. I use Spotify. My wife uses Spotify. My son uses Spotify. Mm -hmm. I don't want to use it. Apple stuff just sucks so bad in this space. And I like Apple and I want them to get better. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. You're saying you don't want to have to keep using it like for your sanity's sake. Yes, I have yeah, right. to use Spotify because what Apple has given me is not very good. And it needs to be two apps. It, there are people, and I'm not really one of them anymore. I'm fine with the whole streaming thing. Like, I'm, I'm on board with streaming everything. But I don't understand, you know, what, what Apple is trying to do. Because, like, music discovery and their For You thing, that's, that's pretty good. Like, I, I, get, I get where they're going with that. But they're trying to integrate things and do things here and push these different things uh, I, I have yet to meet somebody even the most extreme hardcore apple fans and 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 people who just love apple uh, who who are just really not on board with apple music at all and i'm so curious to hear why you think it is the the way it is and why they haven't done why well i mean it's it's an obvious gander but uh, uh there was um this project a few years ago that Mitch K. Porn and a bunch of people were doing called uh, Chan uh, Chandler, as in Raymond Chandler. And it was this application. Scott Rosenberg ended up writing a very good book about it called Dreaming in Code. Um, and I remember I went in there one day. Mitch invited me into the uh, his big foundation. He has this really cool building and he had brought this team of like, I think like 20 developers together. And they were making this open source app. I put it in show notes. Um, and basically they wanted to make an open source like a killer app for productivity. Mm -hmm. And knowing that I was the quote unquote GTD guy or the 43, the 37 folders guy, bring that guy in. And they were super nice. Actually, Scott, I remember that was where I met Scott. Scott was working on the book at the time covering this project. Um, and Chandler was a very, very ambitious project because uh, it, it had some like incredibly uh, admirable uh, goals that I wish more people had. Things like make this thing that was going to be cross-platform, was going to be open. It was going to do all your stuff. It was in some ways going to be along the lines of what? Along the lines of kind of like Lotus Agenda, you know, a little bit maybe like Entourage in a good way. Okay. Like all your stuff would be in this one app and be integrated into this one like inbox for everything. So it was really cool. So you can go and see screenshots of what it looked like. It was a really cool project, but... Um, <laughs> Reading the history of the project is very interesting. The The first or second time I went in to visit with them, I remember talking to their UX person who was this very, very talented uh, woman. But like part of their, one of their design decisions, if memory serves at the time, this might've been pretty early on, was that you had this like unibucket where all your stuff would kind of like tumble in. And in my mental model, remembering what this was like, it's almost like I imagine like this, this giant chute so like you've gotten all of your work arranged on this table beautifully in front of you. And then you pull on a chain and this chute drops an entire inbox worth of, of poopy, non-determinative stuff on mm -hmm. top of the work you already got. 
only you didn't actually pull the chain. It's just whenever stuff came in. <laughs> and I remember saying to them, like, you know, this to me, this is anti, this part of the user experience is antithetical to how I think. We're like, and you know, you know, I'm always making that joke about like the different ways you, you put things in different places. So I right. put my silverware. I don't just put my silverware in the silverware drawer. Clean forks go in this certain area. Not because I'm tightly wound, because I never want to have to wonder where forks are. Right. If new forks are delivered by Amazon and they're in a box, that's a different kind of thing. Those will eventually be integrated into the system. But I wouldn't want to start finding like check stubs and squirrels inside of my cutlery drawer because that's not where, you know, check stubs and squirrels go. And I feel it's a similar way with Apple Music. We've covered this a lot in the past, but in order to do what they're laudably trying to do, they have to mix a lot of various things together. And right now, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't love having recommendations and streaming and what is nominally supposed to be my music, which often, often is not my actual music because they've mismatched it. <laughs> having that all in one place is a mess. The reasoning, the guess, the rumor yeah. is that Apple, I guess depending on the rumor that you've heard, that Apple is becoming much less interested in selling music to you. Mm. And the, there is a rumor that has gone around that they at what some point will be getting out of the selling music business. So, I mean, let's just for just a second as a thought experiment, let's imagine that Apple, for whatever reason, has decided to stop selling music. I could see this app making a lot more sense one year from now, if that's the case. Because now Apple, if Apple decides they don't want to be in the business of dealing with your MP3s, right? This ain't the iPod age anymore. Everybody wants streaming. That's what people want. That's the kind of deals they want to strike. Yeah. They want to make Netflix for your Apple TV, no, Netflix-ish things. They want over-the-top cable cutting stuff. You know, that, that's where the, all of the industries are going. Artists don't love it. No. <laughs> I don't think the labels love it. No. Um, you, the, the, numbers, the numbers on what people, what artists make off of streaming is staggeringly sad. Like what they're making is unbelievably bad. But I think that ship has sailed for now. And who knows what's going to happen next? But, you know, if, is, if it is the case that, that everybody is getting less interested in selling digital music, which is ponderous to me, but I get it. And then this app suddenly starts making a little bit more sense, doesn't it? Yeah, no, I... Because I, then suddenly it's a streaming app that can handle your BS uh, MP3 nonsense if it has right, to. Right. But that's not what it's there for. But there's a part of me that thinks even if that is the case, that's all the more reason to break it into two parts. It just, it's more manageable to, you know, from a development standpoint, yes. it's less confusing for users. Yes. So simplicity only works if it's masking uh, something in a way where the analogy makes sense. In this case, the supposed simplicity of putting this into quote unquote one app is making it much worse than it needs to be, in my opinion. Well, I agree completely. It's not, it's not fun. It's not fun to use. It is challenging to use. Mm -hmm. Using, and this is a dead horse, but I mean, using iTunes to listen to your music has become so manifestly not fun. This morning I, I woke up and I really wanted to listen to a series of sneaks by Spoon. And I went and I did a search. I just started, I hit a series of sneaks, boom, enter, click. Cannot find this. What do you mean you can't find this? And then, of course, I realized, do do do. I had the My Music tab, so it was trying to find my non-existent local music, mm. even though it should be in the cloud because I bought it in 1999 <laughs> right. and I, it should be there somewhere. Do do do. I click on the tab and I go to Spoon. I drill down into Spoon. I go to Artists, Spoon. I get into Spoon. I see albums. I go into Album, Spoon. And finally, I find a series of sneaks, like five layers deep. But it was only by that clicking. It did not come up. I guess I could have just done a series of sneaks, but I, I, I think I was searching for Spoon. However it worked, 
it was a mess. And uh, it's not fun. And you know what else I'll tell you? And this is a super, super nitpick level of thing just with searching across all of sort of the way that the way that Google searches versus the way that Apple searches. Uh, and I see this all the time in Apple stuff with Google. If I type something in and I accidentally fat finger a key or I, I have a small typo, it's like, you know what? I got your back, dude. You were looking for this. I know what you were looking for. Yeah, when it, when Google first started correcting spelling errors, a lot changed. Yeah, but that and when never... and when understood when the thing one thing that Google from an engineering standpoint, I can't even imagine how difficult this would be. But the audacity that it took to have a, a white background, um, a field, and two buttons. So you type <laughs> in the thing you want, and then you can either search on that or you say, "I'm feeling lucky." In an astonishing amount of time, Google knew exactly what you wanted. Here's here's one of the differences. Apple uses searching more as a filter than as a way to get to one specific thing. Because the thing is like, I, I, so if you, if you're looking for an album, let's say you, you want to look for the album, let go. Okay. Well, there were two albums that came out in uh, the mid two thousands called let go. Um, one of them was by not a surf. And the other one was by, I want to say Avril Lavigne. Well, which one, which let go do you want? <laughs> well, I, I want the not a surf one. Okay, well now you have to drill down further because how many people are going to go type in not a surf let go 2004 or whatever, right? Whereas with Google, Google knows that of all the things that could exist in the entire universe, you have something in mind, a very specific thing in mind. You know what I mean? Yes. And they're really good at getting you from the cognition of I want this to here's the thing I want without any intermediary selections. And that's, that's the difference. And, you know, understandably music, music is difficult. Like which, which version of this do you mean? Stuff like that. But it really feels like it's so heavily engineered. It, again, it's one of those, like, you feel like you're knocking down a door to use this thing and it makes it less fun to use. And like I said, a couple of weeks ago, it's made me care less because I, if I just have a feeling my stuff isn't there or my stuff is wrong, you know, you lose that confidence. Yeah. So then let's take ourselves out of the picture. Does that matter for somebody who's 20? Um, so, I mean, somebody who's 20 was born in 1996, <laughs> which means that in their even childhood, they probably weren't buying CDs. They probably right. weren't collecting music the way we do. Right. That might work fine for them. It's us boneheads pulling in all of our like Metallica demos that yeah. are confusing everything. You know, and that's the thing is like, like when it comes to older music, music that is 20 years old or older, like... Uh, maybe I shouldn't, I'm not proud to admit that I don't know the exact order of every Beatles album and which one came first. And I can, I can kind of tell, and I can usually make a, a good guess of like, well, this song came before that song, if I think about it, but I don't have the order memorized. My parents have the order memorized because they were there at the time when each album came out and they went and they got it. And they, you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. it was a very different experience, but to me, it's like, well, I was born in 1972. So like, all the Beatles music that really came out was already there. <laughs> you know, I was a very yeah. young boy when I remember when, when John Lennon was assassinated. So like the bulk of what they had done was, was there and it, it existed. And so to me, like the Beatles was just, they were their Their entire collection of music was the thing that was done by the time that I was born. And it, it's interesting because streaming and the ability to hear any song essentially at any time out of context of the rest of the album, uh, 
that is a very new kind of experience. You know, the difference from, I just got the new Sticks album. Oh, well, we, you know, right. let's hear, let's hear Mr. Roboto first, but then we can just listen to the whole album and see how these songs fit together and what story they tell and what mood this sets. And like, you would go to a party and they would have an album on. And then we got, you know, six disc CD changers and cartridges and the little spinning things and stuff like that, that you could put random. And yes, there would be a 20 second time delay in between switching CDs to get the next song. But like, that was all right. You know, mm-hmm. like we could hear different, but the idea that, that now, and I was thinking about this this morning, cause I was looking through some of these playlists that they have on, on Spotify, you're getting songs that, you know, like you might want like power workout or something and they, they'll have 20, 30 different songs on it, but they all kind of have a similar vibe to them, but that one might be five years old. One might be six months old. One mm-hmm. might be 10 years old and it doesn't matter. You're hearing them all together. Well, sure. That makes for a really good playlist, but the context of the album is going away. The context of listening to songs that are related to one another is well, and the concept going of albums away. having having a chronology where like something that's similar to what you're describing that's been around for years is like the idea of the best of or the greatest hits, which right. for most of us means the same thing, but they that's not te- they didn't used to technically be the same thing. Yeah, greatest hits were here are the most popular songs by this band. Best of would be like, you know, that's a distinction. You could have a, you could have a band that had a greatest hits and a best of. Well, today if you say greatest hits or best of, you talk about a band like ABBA or you talk about a band like Queen. Yeah. You talk about a band like ELO. They have almost as many compilations as they do albums at this point. So that's, that's kind of weird. But I mean, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be at all surprised to meet somebody 20, who's 20, who couldn't name more who couldn't it's like not familiar with the cars for example right which is a band that like you had to be familiar with when you were our age because they were on constantly but if and if they are familiar with the cars i bet they're familiar with them from either a playlist like uh, a mix that somebody has made or like a greatest hits package and so it shouldn't be I, i i'm just i'm working this out because it is so weird to me but like to them uh i bet they couldn't tell you whether which came first you might think or my best friend's girlfriend. Mm. Where for me, I'm like, oh my God, that's like, that's like almost like six or eight years apart. Those are totally different. I was, yeah. I was a little boy when the one came out and I was almost done with high school when the other one came yeah. out. How could you, but to them, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So like the same way we talked about with Led Zeppelin or, or these other bands is like, if you were, if Led Zeppelin's not a good example because they're a little older than us, but you know, um, if you were there when they're coming out, you have a real, those are, those are like yearbooks to you. Like you would, you would never confuse, uh, you know, who your, who your best friend or your girlfriend was, you know, over those years, you have a very clear idea of who your best friend in fifth grade was versus who your best friend in your senior year was. You don't get that mixed up. And that's how music is or has been for some of us. It's just that what the way it is now, it's not worse. It's just different. Um, right. And, but, no, and I'm always surprised by, and you know, I have, I have a, a few friends who I would say they self-identify as, as a millennial. And, you know, I'm always sort of surprised if we ever get into the concept of music or forever music, you know, what song will come on and we'll be talking about it. And I'm always surprised that like, they'll know this song. I'm like, how do you, how do you know this song? Right. But like you, you know, this single that they had, but you don't know the, the next single. Or you don't know this other band that was very, very popular at the time, you know, like how could you know uh, men without hats, but you know, you've, you've, uh, 
you know, you've, you've never heard of like our house, you know, like, like how can mm-hmm. you, these, these bands that I put in a very similar time period in the same category, like you've, you're completely unaware of one, but you're very familiar with the other or like, well, like you, know, you might be like, super familiar with this one song, uh, this Tears for Fear song because it was in Donnie Darko. <laughs> But <laughs> right, like, but like you wouldn't know the uh, the excruciating songs from the Big Chair record. <laughs> and I try, like I try with my my kids, especially my son, who's really really into music. I will always try and and give him a little uh a, a like a little history lesson when no, he they love that. Yo, know, but he does. No, he does. So I was playing. Uh, you know that song? Um, you're by your favorite band, Sublime. Uh, doing time. I don't. We, well, that's uh, that song samples uh, Herbie Mann's "Summertime," mm. which is a jazz version of the original "Summertime." Uh, you know, when the living's easy. That song, that that the real old one. So, like, he'll be listening to the song, and I'll be like, "Do you hear that sample?" He'll be like, "Yeah, I hear the sample in that." I'm like, "All right." That's a sample of this song. So, "Summertime," the DJ Jesse Jeff song, or the Gershwin song? The Gershwin song. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and so he'll listen, to, he'll listen to it and he'll be like, okay, I can really hear that. So like another thing that we've gotten really into is like deconstructing like the Daft Punk songs. So there's a, there's a cool website. I'll put it into the show notes. Uh, it's who's, who sampled. Dot com. Oh yeah, that's 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 a lot of fun. There is an app that goes along with this too, and the app is even better. You got to pay for it, but it's worth whatever four bucks it is. But they basically let you dig really deep into the connections, and most of it's of course like hip hop and rap and things like that. But it's really cool because you can just type a song name in, and it'll it'll say, oh, you know, this song contains three samples of these other three songs, and you can play them right there in the app. And what's cool about the app is if you have uh, Apple Music or Spotify, it can sync up with those. It'll look at all of your playlists that you have, and oh, it wow. will find all of the songs in there that either have samples in them or are sampled in other places. And it's and and if the song exists in Spotify. It'll let you play it. If not, it'll find it on YouTube for you and it'll let you play the song on YouTube. So like it is a really, really cool uh, way uh, to, to, to learn more about the music that you have and what you're listening to, especially if it's stuff like Daft Punk or Kanye it's so West fun. It's so fun to go down a rabbit hole on those things. It, it really is. But you know, like that's the kind of thing that uh, like, we grew up in the time of like sampling was a new thing, you know, like, yeah, that like, whoa, rappers are taking a song and they're kind of talking over it in a cool way. And this is like a whole new genre. Like we saw that happen. So, you know, and I was reminded of that yesterday when, um, Ah, the, I've I already forgot uh, her her name, but the, the woman who was doing the Apple music demo, she was great. And mm-hmm. she like, you could just tell like her, the volume of knowledge that she had about music was in extreme. And there, you know, she was the, the funny part is like, she was playing like these classic rap songs that it was clear. The audience didn't know what they were, but like that whole thing of having this like body of knowledge that like, if you tell me, Oh, you know, like I was in high school in the eighties, like that tells me so much about the kind of shared music knowledge that we're going to have, or like, you know, but I feel like some of that is is kind of lost. Like I took this history of rock and roll class in college and the um they deconstructed rock all the way back to to stuff that like I didn't even think 
was related to rock and roll, not just blues, but you know, way before that. It was just fascinating to see this this history, and I learned so much about the influences that went into into modern music and stuff that that I had never known. I still remember that. Like of all the classes I took in college, that's like one of four I still remember. But I don't know. I feel like how, does that does that still happen today? Do people still nope. have that same kind of <laughs> knowledge? Nope. Doesn't. I, know. I guess not. I caught a weird one the other day. Uh, you know the uh, song from the Blueprint Izzo H to the Izzo. Yeah, B love that song. The, um, there's a sample on there it was driving me bananas for years because i'd hear it and i kept thinking so like there's this little slide guitar that you hear yeah yeah at the beginning like it kind of alternates to this it was driving me crazy and i finally went and i googled it and it's totally <laughs> she don't use jelly by the flaming lips really for you know the very beginning of the song that's yeah kanye west uh sampled uh she don't use jelly for that song that's crazy yeah. No, that's not how people listen to music anymore. No. But like doesn't no, it make no. it better? Like for me, it makes the song better if I can like recognize you know, like everyone would know in Izzo that 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 he uses like I want you back in mm-hmm. there. But you know, being able to hear that and be like, I know that that's Michael Jackson. What song is that? But you sound like you sound like our grandparents talking about like, <laughs> you know, why you're not seeing plays by Strindberg or something. It's like you're missing yes. out on so much by not understanding the literature but, that's but, important but, to me. Okay, so here's the bigger question: it, Is that kind of like human beings? I think really like that concept, and it's you see that kind of building on effect happening in memes all the time. Like I found this, do you even lift meme? Have you ever heard of that one? Oh, I, I, I'm aware it's an of an older yeah. one. Okay. I have to look these things up when I see them. No, I, I have to look them all, all up also, but on know your meme have has a nice explanation of the origin. It has helped me. It has helped me on many things. It, I'll put this one into the show notes too, but like, uh, you know, this, I, I was seeing these references of like D-Y-E-L on this weird guy's face and like, what does this come from? And it's hilarious. Like it's one of the, it's one of the really funny ones that's out there, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it as an exercise for listeners to follow that link. And, and the, learn the joke about. is it's like some muscle bound guy who's like doubting your credibility. Right. Like someone posting on a thing and say, and saying what you're saying makes no sense. Dude, oh. like, do you even lift? Do you even okay. lift? And and what could be more insulting to somebody who lifts sure. extensively and is obsessed perhaps with their uh, the number of reps that they're doing and everything else that to be yeah. to, the fact that they even lift has been questioned. And go to go to William Gibson's <laughs> timeline. Uh, I haven't looked today, but I looked yesterday and had to close it up. All the people gunsplaining what what, oh, what an automa- automatic weapon actually actually will actually will actually. <sighs> Uh, no, I, I understand like you're, what these, you're trying so like, to say. You're, you're trying to talk about an easy killing machine, but that's very different from an automatic weapon. <laughs> I said good day, sir. Right. And uh, like, but Jim that's Gibson, what an idiot. <laughs> I feel like where that that's kind of where this has gone. Like in the past, we used to see that like a work based upon another work based upon another work. And, you know, where 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 is that notion going now? It's it's not as much with music as it as it was because that, that there are so many in, I would think that today for most people, their knowledge is kind of spotty in the way that like, I remember when I first got into system administration and and network engineering, and I think I've told this story before that 
my my kind of knowledge because I was all self-taught and had learned things on my own. Like I knew extensively about you know, one aspect of system administration, let's right, say, right, yeah. but like there was a big hole in like the networking aspect of it. And so I would go in and they'd be like, well, if you know this, you must know that. But I didn't, you know, I had to learn it. And I feel like that that's so much more common now that you have people who know so much about one aspect and, and have this kind of really big block of no knowledge in in another. I don't know. I maybe I'm wrong about that, but I, it doesn't seem. So it's the hedgehog and the fox. Ex yes, sure. Do you know that that book or that analogy? No. Um, That's the one where all the the guys are blindfolded and they and they all feel the elephant, and one of them's like it's a hedgehog, and the other one's like yeah. it's a fox. It's a camel. I hardly yeah. even knew her. Uh, <laughs> hedgehog and the fox. Put it in show notes. Essay by philosopher I, Isaiah Berlin. I do not know this one. Uh, uh, origin. The title is a reference to a fragment attributed to the ancient Greek poet Ar Archilochus. A fox knows many things, but a hedgehog, one important thing. So this is a topic of conversation around our house where we think about, would you like to be somebody like, who knows, like a lot about a thing guy? Do you wish you knew like a little bit about many, many things or do you, what about like one important thing? And then uh, he, you know, he gives examples here of hedgehogs who view the world through the lens of a single defining idea. Plato, Lucretius, Dante, uh, Pascal, Hegel, et cetera. Um, and, uh, and the foxes who draw on a wide variety of experiences and for whom the world cannot be boiled down to a single idea. Mm. Herodotus, Balzac, Joyce, Montaigne, et cetera. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think uh, like, like our mutual friend, John Roderick, uh, I think I'm more of a fox. It's hard for me to boil the world down to a single idea. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at this now. There's a lot of images for this too. What what did I put into show notes before that? There was one other thing I wanted to mention. Well, we um, do you know any hedgehogs? Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of like very uh, esteemed, very intelligent people. Oh, I know what I wanted to suggest. Um, I, this is one of the things you, you feel silly recommending this because it's like recommending Google. But uh, <laughs> if you if you haven't seen this, uh, go check out uh, a wonderful video by Kirby Ferguson called "Everything Is a Remix." Yeah. And you've certainly probably seen it, but like his channel, it. his channel on Vimeo is really good. It's very, very interesting. Very well done. He's done lots of these. He did one that was, he, uh, Star Wars comes up a lot in his original Everything is a Remix, like basically showing where these ideas come from. But he's got kind of a unified field theory. He's a little bit of a hedgehog in the way that he presents this. I it's see. very, very interesting. Like the, uh, he has a lens through which he views all, and it is basically that everything is a remix. There's nothing new under the sun. Um, which I'm stealing. Seneca said that many years ago. Um, but yeah, go check that out. He did one for uh, The Force Awakens. That's really good too. Um, did you want to tell me about a second thing that you like? I would love to do that. I'll tell you about our old friend, Casper. Casper! Casper is an Casper. online retailer of premium mattresses Casper. for a fraction of the price. Say it soft and it's almost like praying. Casper. Ooh. It's, very it's a new, kind of, it's a new kind of hybrid mattress. Hybrid mattress. Latex foam. And memory foam, all in one. And I'll tell you what, I, I think these mattresses are pretty great. My uh, trainer, my uh, one of the coaches at the gym that I go to, was talking to me about her current bed. And I'm like, you know what? Like We were com kind of comparing like aches and pains and things like that, because we're both in our 40s. And she was telling me that uh, she's like, you know, I, I've heard that like your bed and your mattress can make a, a big difference in that, especially if you have like 
neck pain or back pain or you know you just have like muscle aches that don't really make sense like it can all start with having a really good sleep experience and sleeping on a bed that's supportive and there's this I think in there there's a misunderstanding because people think that a bed like that's supportive can't also be comfortable that it has to be kind of like firm and, and hard and you know or, or that's like oh i want a soft bed i right. want a firm bed no you want a bed that's right you want a bed that's right you want a bed that's going to support you and be very very comfortable and casper makes these and she actually got she used our code and she got herself a casper and she loves it and, oh no kidding yeah and uh and it you know it, i was asking her like what what was it like? And she says, yeah, it was really cool. It came in a box and, you know, she opened it up and basically the deal is they, they send it to you and you get to try it for a hundred nights. And if you don't like it, they'll come and they'll take it away. Free delivery, painless returns. They have a risk-free trial and, uh, and, and an awesome return policy. And the pricing is really, really good. 500 bucks for a twin, 950 for a, a king size. And of course you can get a queen too. And that is a steal for a king size mattress. And yeah, if you don't like it, you can send it back, but there's a good chance you will like it. There's a good chance you're going to love it. Uh, they're made in America too, which is always nice. Uh, go to casper.com slash back to work and you're going to get $50 toward any mattress that you purchase using the code back to work terms and conditions apply to that. But casper.com slash back to work is where to go. Just go in there, supports the show back to work, saves you 50 bucks toward any mattress purchase. You still are sleeping on one of these things, right? Support the show, support your back. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, it's a freebie. I like that. Of course I still have it. It's still, it's on my bed. I didn't even bother removing the other mattress, that, that monstrosity that we had. I just would just put it right on top. We sleep on it every night. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long time now. I know it's, it's at least like a year and a half that we've had this and we really love it. We need to get a new bed frame. Oh, our bed frame is, uh, it's having problems. Really? It's slumping a little bit on my side. Which is not good for my area. No. Don't blame Casper. No. That's a freebie. <laughs> Just yeah, don't, they're going to run with that. They're a great sponsor and a great company and they do good things. And uh, I, I love mine. That's, that's all I have to say about that. Casper.com slash back to work code back to work. Save 50 bucks. Bok, bok. I do have some uh, follow up. Mm. If we have time follow up. Follow up. It's a thing where we follow up, follow up, follow up, follow up. Follow up. The first one is uh, an email that we received from uh, Mridu. Oh, God. No. Uh, so I no. Just, I just want to go over it. Oh, no, no. I talked about this on Roderick yesterday. Did you get an email from uh, Mridu on, uh, for Roderick uh, also? Uh, 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 no, Mridu contacted us, and uh, she's given a... Uh, I think, actually, I don't know if you received this, Dan. Did you receive the link to her free download? No, I don't. I don't know if I. Oh, well, you're gonna want to go ahead and look for the link to that. It's uh, ways to hack your personal, hack your uh, small business brand. Oh, she's got it going on. She has. A, she's holding a position right now. She's a. Uh, she's a chapter. Just she's a chapter president of the International Society of Personal Organizers or <laughs> yeah. something. Yep, that's terrific. She loves teaching and breaking down concepts. Uh, um, making, making videos with her kids. Mridu says that she's mm -hmm. an. She says I'm an avid listener of your podcast. Huge fan. And would be honored to be interviewed as a guest on your show. Yeah. Here's why I believe we would be a great fit. In bold, I help people enjoy successful and productive businesses, careers, and home life. One word. Yes. Home life. Home life. 
So Come she on. would be she would be honored. Double plus good. <laughs> Actionable steps. <sighs> well, and we've already headshot. preemptively she went ahead and sent her bio and her photo and photo. a link to, link her, to whole, her schedule. Her schedule. She's uh she's a pro at aligning business goals with structure. <laughs> whatever that means. To simply get more done in Oh my god. Oh my god, that didn't wrap right. In less time without the stress. Yeah. A national Oh god, I hate I hate dependent clauses like this. Which one? <sighs> I had a friend that used to work on yearbook and they had a rule where on yearbook, every caption had to begin with a gerund. Really? Addressing the soccer ball, Chris Coleman <laughs> prepares to kick a goal. <laughs> a national speaker and productivity space plus space organization consultant. Oh. She helps clarify priorities and make best use of your time with powerful yet simple tools. Well, you know, I, you know, the thing is, um, Ridu, uh, we've literally never had a guest on the show. And as an avid listener to the program, I would just like to say thank you for writing to us. Yeah. Consider this to have been your guest spot. Yeah. She's got a she's lot an of attention. Avid, she's now. an avid listener. I think that means she takes flight. Yes. Avian listener. You know, good for her. <laughs> good for her. Uh, oh God. Oh my God. Learn how to stop drowning in business overwhelm. Overwhelm is not a noun. No, it's not. Uh, Okay, I have another bit of follow-up. Uh, this is an email from uh, Brian. Hi, Brian. Who, who says, I'm writing to you as a former operations manager of a thrift store in my town. Most thrift stores do want your socks. Most will sell bailed junk clothing wholesale to bulk buyers. Where this bulk ends buyer. up very... <laughs> bulk, bulk buyers. Bulk buyers. <laughs> where this ends up varies. Some is shredded to make new materials. Oh, some is used in third world countries, but the fact of the matter is that your local thrift store can still make money on your old socks. If you really want to do them a big favor, bag the resellable items separate from the junk clothing and let them know uh -oh. which is which when you donate it. This That's will really save, save time in sorting. Yes. Also, don't ask for your bags boxes back. We hate that. Mm, Brian. Boo, box yeah. people. Fuck <laughs> box. Okay, look, fine. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, was it Brian? Yes, Brian. Thank you, Brian. A uh, longtime uh, podcaster. I, uh, <laughs> I would say this, and I'm sorry to be that guy. I would call and ask before you drop off a lot of stuff that you wouldn't personally want yourself. That sounds like an entirely true thing, especially if it's a big organization. That might be 100% true. But like the, the best part of that whole tip was the whole like separating this into parts. Like, I, I guess what I'm trying to push back on is this, to my mind, somewhat BS idea that giving you a bunch of your garbage to a charity makes you a good person. Please don't do that. Mm. Like in San Francisco, dude, in San Francisco, you can put anything on the street and somebody will pick it up right. and use it. Right. It's, it's, it's uncanny. Like next to like rotting garbage, people will like just anything left out will be grabbed, which is great. And that there's a whole culture of that here, which is kind of cool. Um, but I would just say, you know, uh, if you if, if, if you actually do want to help a charity, you know, a great way to help a charity would be giving them money. They could probably really use money. Right. A lot of these places that collect these things, it's a, it's more of a for-profit than you might think. And mm -hmm. if you care about the nonprofit or not-for-profit part, just make sure that it's what they want. Like, you know, just because it's in the parking lot at the mall does not make it a dumpster. That's all I'm saying. Because somebody's got to go through all that. Like when you take your giant cathode ray tube TV and leave it out there over Labor Day weekend and it gets rained on, like who, who's that helping? You're just making garbage for other people. Right. 
And if you really, there's there, if you really care about a portion of what you do going to charity, give it to charity. <laughs> don't, don't count on yogurt to be your main conduit for charity. Money is the way to have charity. There you go. And you do it anonymously like a gentleman. That's all I have to say about okay. that. Okay. Uh, hey, I, how you doing, Dan? You having a good day? I took your advice and I have started watching Silicon Valley. Oh, you started at the beginning? I started way at the beginning. And uh, okay. I've, I've really been enjoying it uh, so far. Abiato. Three, four episodes in. Abiato. I just love the way Bachman says Abiato. It makes me so happy. I don't know if I'm to that yet. Oh, he hasn't talked about uh, the whole point of having his incubator. You can't have dead weight in his incubator. <laughs> have you met Big Head yet? Yeah, it's just uh, he was, <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything, but he yeah, was. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, boy, that's a fun show. Oh God. It. And you're still, you're still in, um, with Peter Gregory. Yes. Oh my God. That actor. He's great. Oh, he's so he great. He just talked about the sesame seeds. He's so perfect. And he's not even any, just one Silicon Valley, like icon. He's, <laughs> he's such several. a great combination of several. <laughs> yeah. And, and he's, he's so odd. Oh, I love him. I love I'm him. Awesome. He's really, really fun. And I was, I was saying to my wife uh, last night, she says, so is this, you know, is this accurate to what you've seen? I said, no, I said, no, it's not accurate. It's a documentary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, the bike meetings. Yeah. I saw that and I was like, that's a thing. That's really a thing. Uh, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah. And uh, I think it, it, uh, it sounds silly to say it gets better, but it, it starts out good. But I think it's, uh, this, this season has also just been fantastic. Oh, good. I can't and wait. Binge it. I mean, it's not light. But like you can, it's also, it's a pretty compact, pretty compact storytelling. It's pretty good. You know what I mean? The, there's an arc to each season and it's told at a pretty brisk, brisk pace. And it's kind of made for binging in some ways, I feel like. Well, I've been loving it. So thank you for good, the good. Well, recommendation there. I love Bachman. And I have, I have <laughs> a, <laughs> I have a, a plea of, I want to abuse uh, my position as, as podcaster. Yes, you there. Uh, I would... Uh, my my son is uh, he's eight and a half. He's become obsessed with Futurama. It's now the only thing that he will watch, and it, it, we spend most of our time talking about Futurama now. And it's I thought that that would last for a few days, maybe a week. It's been a couple months now, and our local comic shop has a, a selection of like old toys from you know, that, that were maybe found or whatever that, 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 but their Futurama section is embarrassingly weak. So I wanted to ask our listeners if you have, uh, some old, any like old Futurama toys or figures or anything like that, that you might want to sell. I'm at Dan Benjamin on Twitter. Tell me, and, uh, I want to try and get them something for, for the end of the summer, like to surprise them with. So, so tw Twitter is the best way for people to contact you. Yeah, it really is. Okay, good. That's nice. Yes, please do that. Please contact uh, Dan. Yeah, that's a funny thing. Like Harry Potter was such a big thing. The movies were so big. We came to the movies late. There's not that much Harry Potter stuff it's out there gone. anymore. It's nowhere. Like there was some really nice, there's a whole book of the Harry Potter Lego stuff. There was so much Harry Potter Lego and it's just not really around anymore. Yeah. It's pretty rare. There was, I was at the Dallas Fan Expo, the Dallas Comic-Con and in past years, they've had like essentially Harry Potter booths, like dedicated just to Harry Potter stuff. And there is a little, you know, they had like uh, the Lego minifigure uh, place. They had so many, of, Dan. They're gone. Get, the, get, get that book from your library. It's bananas how many figures they had. It's crazy. Where'd they go? 
Well, what's weird is like the last movie just came out like a few years ago mm-hmm. and it's already like all, all gone. It's so strange. I guess, you know, I guess, you know, um, not just in time, that's the wrong word, but you know, the cycles for this stuff have really, uh, they go, they burn through stuff quickly. They release stuff increasingly. Obviously they release stuff before the movie comes out. It's out for a limited amount of time, but it's not going to be on the shelves for five years. Like it was with star Wars stuff. You know what I mean? I think that's just the nature of what they can keep in stock at places. What's your take on the new Harry Potter play and all that? I don't know. I don't know. I've heard it's got a secret. I'm excited. We're very into musicals right now. We um, have been into Hamilton for quite a while, but Mm. now my daughter's getting into Les Mis, which is awesome. So, wow. (laughs) But she's, she's like nine, right? Well, I had to dad explain certain parts of it. Okay. That when she got fired by Wolverine, she had to go a place where, where she kissed men and then Javier tried to arrest her. And it's kind of complicated. After watching that carpool karaoke, though, now she's really into One Day More. Oh, man. One day more, another day, another destiny. <laughs> it's such fruity musical theater theater. But after showing after her showing her, because uh, I've had the movie for a while, I like it. Shut up. <laughs> um, <laughs> so variety uh, of problems that the fan community has with it. Shut up. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. And uh, Wolverine is great. Uh, Wolverine is great. Uh, Catwoman is great. Uh, the guy from the Harry Potter movie is great. Um, oh, but then, so then I was able to pivot. I was able to pivot. Uh, for, I was trying to, uh, like, who cares? Why do dads explain anything? Because we're stupid. But like going like, okay, so like there's that one theme. She knows that word, right? There's that theme from I Dreamed a Dream, which we've been watching the video of that for years. I think she's great in that. Shut up. She's great. <laughs> she's awesome. Um, but uh, the, the, the theme from, you know, I Dreamed a Dream, the theme from Look Down and the confrontation. Dun, 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 dun. And the way that that all gets incorporated into the One Day More song. And it's not a medley exactly. It's not a few. I don't know what you call it, but it's almost like an overture. It's like all these different elements. Then I was like, now let me show you something called Quintet from mm. West Side Story. <laughs> yeah. So I'm turning her into a different kind of dork. Nothing wrong with that. Different dork. Another day, another musical. <laughs> Something sad about kissing men. Javert arrests and takes away, and Wolverine comes saves the day. One day more. <laughs> One more dawn. <laughs> One more day. One day more. <laughs> Bump. Mm. Okay, let's button it up. All right. I love you. I love you too, Merlin, man. Another day, another destiny. 